Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My, de- my daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Hear this instant witness, hear this ancient witness from yesterday. True confessions. I'm not really a dog person. I'm not really a cat person either. I, I like dogs and cats, but I can live without them in the house. <laughs> I just have this idea that animals should be enjoyed and loved outside in their natural habitat. I mean, isn't that, isn't that why houses have walls to keep the animals out? You know, it's a fairly simple division, people on the inside, animals on on the outside. So anyway, I love animals, but that's sort of my, my basic MO. So God obviously has a sense of humor with me on this one because for as long as our children could say the word dog or puppy, they have been asking for one. I remember so clearly our daughter, Hallie, when she was four years old, sat on Santa's knee for probably the first time, and Santa said, oh, oh what do you want for Christmas, little girl? And she looked Santa in the eye, and she said very clearly, very decisively, I want a puppy. And Santa said, ho, 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 we'll see, and that was that. Well, Christmas came, and uh, when all the presents were opened, there was our little Hallie looking under the tree for maybe just that one last box that might be moving a little, or snuffling, or whimpering, or barking, but alas, There was no dog, no puppy for her. And then her brother started talking, and he added to the chorus, wanting this dog, and we held fast for years. We said, we're just not pet people. When you grow up and you can have your own, you can have a whole farm of dogs and other animals, and we'll come visit you and your dogs, and then we'll go home. (laughs) Well, then we found ourselves one day moving to Atlanta, Georgia. And our kids did not want to make this move. Camden was in seventh grade, just starting. Hallie had just started her freshman year of high school. And that's just not a great time for kids to make that kind of transition, and they certainly didn't. 
it so happens we, we already had some friends down here, and one friend, their sister had a dog that she was trying to find a new home for. And we thought, okay, maybe this is a literal godsend. It's a god thing. I mean, it so happens the house that we got has a fenced-in backyard. And so we thought, well, maybe we just take this dog on and be kind of a therapy dog. It'll help make their landing here a little softer, a little more gentle, and, you know. And so that's how we got Boots. Isn't he cute? We just love our little guy, Boots. But, but let me tell you, this dog is a total menace. <laughs> he's cute, but, you know, he's into everything. He will find the food. He will tear stuff up. And he's kind of disgusting. I mean, his personal hygiene habits leave a lot to be desired. And beyond that, he doesn't really help out around the house. He is not pulling his own weight. He is not a contributor. But nevertheless, I, I love this dog. You know, I am totally taken with our little boots. And, you know, when he goes the way of the earth, which could happen any day, I mean, he's 14. He is, he is you know, needing geriatric care, very expensive, by the way. But when he does pass, I will be the first to cry and miss this dog, which is not something I ever imagined saying. Now, all of this is curious to me because given the kind of affection and bonding that people can have with a dog, even somebody very unlikely like me, isn't it interesting that in the English language, when we refer to somebody as a dog, it's not a compliment. We might say, oh, hey, dog, what's up, dog? Sure, there's that. But if we refer to somebody as a dog, that's not, we're not saying something nice about them, which is interesting, right? Given all these positive associations we have with our canine companions, when we say, you dog, or you're a dog, or that person, that, that's not, we're not being kind. That's fairly cruel. And the Bible is no exception to this, by the way. The Bible refers to dogs about 50 times. I looked it up, and I went through each one of those verses, and not one of those 50 verses in the Bible about dogs is in any way flattering if you're a dog. Perhaps the most uh, famous one right here, like a dog goes, returns to his own vomit, and becomes abominable, oh, amen to that, so is a fool who returns to wickedness and sin from the book of Proverbs, and there are many others very similar to that. And then there's the verse that we just heard read by Andrea. Now, maybe when you heard uh, Jesus say, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs, he says this to a woman who needs help and her special needs child, you might have been thinking to yourself, wait, did, did, did Jesus just refer to them as dogs? Yes. Yes, he did. We might think, well, maybe, maybe Jesus was just having an off day, a bad day, a long day, too much going on at the office. There's just one more person who needed help that day, and he was just done. He needed a nap and some food. He was out of gas, possibly. Some commentators have actually dug a little deeper and tried to smooth things over by looking at the Greek. When in doubt, go to the Greek. And it turns out the Greek word for dog in this passage 
is little dog, puppy. Jesus was calling them puppies. It was actually a compliment. Well, uh, that might be going a little too far. In fact, one of my favorite Bible scholars, Amy Jill Levine, says, you know, calling someone little bitch is not any nicer than just bitch. In fact, it might even be a little worse. So we can debate whether or not Jesus is guilty of racism or ethnocentrism or sexism or all three. Either way, it's bad. What happened to our inclusive Jesus? Where is the Jesus who stands up for the weak and the outcast, the Jesus who takes controversial stands for the marginalized? Bring that Jesus back. We want Jesus to be human, but, but maybe not this human. Seems like Jesus has been caught on camera with a hot mic with his divinity down. This dogged woman, however, this dogged woman bests Jesus by throwing his words right back, by saying, yes, but even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And I, I imagine that right at that moment, she also whispered, checkmate, but that was not recorded. This woman, it seems, knew something about the Hebrew religion. She knew something about Jesus's own God, this Yahweh character who has redemption often revealed in crumbs. She knew that the God of Israel has this peculiar interest in crumbs. Maybe she knew something about the Hebrew law, because right there in the Hebrew law, there is a specific provision and commandment about crumbs. When harvesters would go into the fields and harvest the wheat, they were not allowed to clean up after themselves. Everything that fell onto the ground, they were to leave behind for the poor, for the widow, for the orphan, for those who could not provide for themselves. That was the early welfare written right into the law and was not to be struck from the budget. Maybe she knew. Maybe she had some sense of God's love for crumbs. Then there's Jesus who talked about, you don't need a lot of faith. You just need faith the size of a mustard seed, faith the size of a crumb, and you can move a mountain. And from a mountain, Jesus fed 5,000 people with what? Just a few little crumbs. Every week when we come into the sanctuary, we, we come before this table, and what do we get? We get a little crumb. Sometimes I wonder what people who experience communion for the first time are thinking. They're like, you're telling me God's grace is in this little crumb? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what we're saying. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. So when this woman brings up crumbs, she is taking Jesus back to Bible school, taking him right back to his own message about God showing up in crumbs. This story happens to be the only time someone argues with Jesus and wins. The only time that ever happens 
in the Gospels. She gets the Gospel in a way that not even Jesus gets in that particular moment, which I find comforting. I mean, I have my own list of pastor fails, and it's nice to know that Jesus had at least one, or that at least one of them got recorded and documented. Maybe Jesus that day was converted to a larger vision, expanded his own vision of what the commonwealth of God should look like. And if Jesus could be changed, if Jesus' vision could be broadened, what about ours? Every generation, even now, right now, today, each of us has some other that we put under the table. All of us have somebody that we attempt to keep under the table and not share even a crumb. Who would those people be for you? Who are the people that you would prefer to avoid? Who do we consider beneath us? Who do we dog? Again, that might not be very flattering to dogs and dog owners, I understand, because in addition to dogs being used as an insult, they are loving, they are loyal, they are trusting, and they are, let's face it, dogged. Our dog Boots loves to lick the dishes as we are loading the dishwasher. It's something I guess all dogs love to do, but for our dog, it's a bit of a concern because he has such a delicate constitution <laughs> that if he goes anywhere beyond of his expensive prescription diet, then he gets sick and he does vomit, and as we've just seen, that is abominable. So we're constantly shooing Boots away from the dishwasher as we're loading the dishes, but Boots is not getting the message. <laughs> It is not sinking in. He is persistent. He tries every single day to get those dishes, and every now and then when our back is turned, he gets a little crumb of something from a dish, from a fork, hopefully not a knife, and that just completely makes his day, and we hope that is the, the end of it. The Canaanite woman doggedly persists. And she was not the first woman who persisted, and she will not be the last woman who persisted. There are countless women we can name, and even more women we can't name who have gone unnamed, just like this Canaanite woman. We don't even know her name who have doggedly persisted, who would not go away, who would not give up, who would not be dismissed. So if you, whether you identify as a woman or not, if you have a need for healing, for hope, for justice, for equity, for equality, for restoration, for you, for a loved one, for our community, for our church, for our city, for the world, certainly you do. Demand it. Be dogged. Be persistent. Don't back down. And 
let's also remember, if dogging people can happen to anyone because it happened to Jesus, when it's our turn to be in that role, may we hear the woman's voice and respond as Jesus did, to be the Jesus who listens finally after all, the Jesus who lets himself be interrupted. Let's be like the Jesus whose compassion overcomes irritation, the Jesus who says, okay, not my will, but yours be done, and gives thanks over a few little crumbs. Amen.